You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Astros Baseball is brought to you by Ram Shirts. Ram Shirts offers custom printed and embroidered apparel. They offer direct-to-garment printing for small runs and screen printing for larger runs. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ram Shirts. Go to RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan for the fans of the Houston Astros. Here's your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Joining me today is Alex McKenna, uh, the number 17 prospect for your Houston Astros. Alex, I appreciate you coming on with me today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Excited to, uh, excited to do this. So let's go back to the beginnings. You got drafted out of high school and you chose to go to Cal Poly. You went three years, which I think that's what's great about college baseball versus college basketball. We won't get into that, but how amazing was it playing in such a beautiful stadium in your college career? And what kind of feedback did you get from, you know, like visiting teams? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously playing in at Cal Poly, you know, it's on the central coast, kind of in the middle of California. Um, but, you know, you're 10 minutes from the ocean to kind of a interesting area as well, because it's a big agricultural kind of um, kind of area as well. So you get a lot of different kinds of people um, in the same area. You got like your surfing crowd, kind of the the kooks or whatever you want to call it that are always trying to catch waves in the morning. And then you got your, you know, hardworking people that are in the fields in the morning doing all that as well. Um, and then you got the greenery in the background, just the mountains. It's one of the most pretty ballparks I've ever gotten a chance to play in. Um, just an amazing place to play college baseball. And, you know, we play teams from all over the country, like Nebraska, Wichita State. They're coming from colder climates at the beginning beginning of the season. They're coming and playing us in, you know, beginning of Fe- or, you know, middle of February, early March. And they're like, man, you guys are so lucky to be to be playing here. So, yeah, I feel very fortunate to have gotten the chance to go play at a school like that. So let's talk about your journey. You know, your college career is over. You have to 
I mean, how does it go about, you know, getting an agent and then you're, you know, you get drafted and then it's like, okay, you're a pro, sign the contract, go to Florida. Tell, tell us a little bit about that process. Yeah. So I obviously was drafted, um, right around, you know, June, whatever the, the date was. And I think I had, I waited a few weeks to, to sign just cause there was a little bit of a negotiation going on between my agent and the Astros. But, um, I actually flew into Houston to sign. Um, and I was there for literally like 24 hours. I kind of flew into Houston, toured the ballpark real quick, um, went upstairs, signed the contract. And then I was, uh, shipped off directly to, uh, New York, which at the time that was, uh, the Tri-City Valley Cats in short season baseball. So, it was a really quick turnaround from signing the contract to going to play basically my first game. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy experience just kind of going from, you know, playing college baseball and um, basically a couple of weeks later being on the field for my first professional game. So it was a quick experience, but it was something obviously I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, getting a chance to, to go to Minute Maid and, you know, kind of, go get around Houston for a day and just experience all that. It was, it was amazing. So when you head out to like training camp or whatever, the first time, I guess when you go to the the Valley cats, which no longer exists for us, what was it like the transition, you know, between your whole life, you've been using aluminum bats. Now all of a sudden, you know, you have to go to wooden bats. What's that? What is that like? Um, you know, I, I was fortunate because the three previous summers, like leading up to professional baseball, I played in uh, the Cape Cod League. I played in the Northwoods League. And then actually the year before my freshman year, like right after I graduated high school, I went to uh, I went to go play in the West Coast League, which were all, um, you know, wood bat leagues. So I had probably I'd say maybe 450, 500 at bats, maybe using wood before that. Um, so the transition, I mean, it's definitely different, right? Like the barrel accuracy and your swing path and all that has to be a lot more precise because if you're not hitting it on the barrel, you're going to, you're going to break a lot of bats. <laughs> so mm. that's probably the biggest difference. Um, and I would say just the feel, right? Like when you're using a metal bat, um, a lot of guys will have like a, some type of grip tape on there. And I actually, I still use grip tape. I, I put a lizard skin on, on my handle of my bat just cause I like the feel of it. Cause it's more natural to me. Um, but that's all preference. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, your first year getting used to just using a wood bat every day and um, kind of the the feel of what it's like to to catch a barrel um, off of wood compared to to metal is is a little different. But it's I think it's something that all of us kind of pick up quickly, right? Um, just because you're getting so many at bats day in and day out. So you talk about you know hitting the bat in a certain spot and it breaking. What does it feel like, you know, as a hitter? Because we don't really know. We see it as a fan, but what's it like to, when you when you hit a ball and the bat breaks? I mean, it kind of depends on the way you break it. Like if it's like, you know, if you get if you get a if you get fisted off the hands and the barrel goes flying, that's kind of an interesting feeling. Just because like all of a sudden all the weights at the end of the bat and you know you break it mid swing and the barrel goes flying into the infield or whatever. So like. It's an interesting feeling just because you know you broke it, but you got to like, you're trying to find the ball with your eyes because the barrel's fine. So that's kind of interesting. But on one where, you know, it just kind of cracks, you can kind of tell the difference in the sound. Um, and maybe you can feel that the contact wasn't as flush. 
Um, cause when you barrel one, like when you, when you hit a ball really square, it's almost like there's no feeling at all. The ball just kind of bounces off the bat. Um, but when you break one, you can definitely feel it. And sometimes there'll be a little bit of vibration going into your hands, maybe your knuckles. And it doesn't feel very good um, when you break one pretty good. It, it, uh, leaves your hands buzzing a little bit. So what do you think when you see someone like Kyle Tucker not using batting gloves? Oh, he's, uh. He's an interesting human being for that. I feel like for me, like I have to have, I have to have some sort of batting gloves on. Just it doesn't feel right without him. But I mean, that's that's cool that he does that. There's not too many guys in the league that are that are doing that. So I remember Evan Gaddis was a guy that didn't wear them all the time. Um, but there's very few of those guys left that that don't wear them. And I think it's just cool. It kind of flashes you back to some some old school players. And I mean, it works for him clearly. He's had one one really good season last year and he's just one of the young stars in the game he's fun to watch so go back to your first pro game was it with the woodpeckers i mean no it was with uh the valley cats right mm-hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about that like how how exciting and nervous and what was going through your head that first game yeah i remember um you know it was actually i had to wait a few days because my contract like wasn't activated yet so i went on the road with the team and i was kind of just sitting there and not playing yet then got the word you know right before we actually had a home game that day that i was going to be in the lineup and uh it was awesome i i remember feeling a little bit nervous obviously before first game and then you know once you get that first at bat under your belt um i think it was just like playing another game um but i want to say it went one for four that game with a rbi I think it was a sack fly, and then I think I singled through the right side. So to get, you know, first professional hit and first professional RBI in your first game, just it was cool, man. I just felt like I could relax after that and kind of just focus on playing the game. Yeah, it seemed like it would be pretty rough to go 0 for 4 your first two games. Yeah, um. I mean, uh, <laughs> I was I was lucky to kind of get those out of the way. And, um, yeah, I mean, after that, it was just kind of getting used to, one, just the – the schedule of playing kind of every single day and getting used to the travel, getting used to, you know, the pregame schedule. It's a little bit different than college um, just because, you know, college you get those, whatever it is, three, four days in the middle of the week to kind of recoup and prepare for the, the upcoming series. And, um, you know, professional baseball, it's like, you know, if you have a bad day, I mean, it makes it a little bit easier to recover from a bad day. I think just because, you know, you're probably going to get three, four up bats the next day. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're on a you're on a hot streak, it's also great too because you know you want to play the next day if you're feeling really good. So it can go can go two ways. If you're struggling, sometimes it can be a little bit can be tough to know that dang like tomorrow I got to get in there and get four more at bats. But that's something that you adjust to quickly. And I mean, you just it's something as baseball players we all get used to just being trying to be as mentally strong as you can and you know be positive going in each and every day. I've been seeing a lot of videos you're posting. Maybe not a lot, but, you know, it sticks out to me uh, that you've been working out quite a bit and showing your videos. What is the importance? Because some people are like, you're just playing baseball. You're not playing football. You know, why why is it so important to stay in shape? Um, I mean, especially for a guy like me, like in 2019, I had I had some injuries, um, you know, some hamstring stuff and even last year I hurt my shoulder uh, making a play against the wall in San Antonio. Um, So it's, to me, it's just something that we're athletes, right? Like I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not physically prepared for the season. Um, 
And it's something, you know, when you're playing every single day, you need to be strong and you need to be, uh, you need to be in shape. Cause I feel like for guys that don't spend the time in the weight room and, you know, spend time working on their body, I think you can get passed up really quickly, especially, you know, it's, 2022 and guys are throwing hundred miles an hour. And that's like, that used to be unheard of. And now that's kind of like a normal thing. And guys are hitting balls over 115 miles an hour, 110, 115 miles an hour. So in, in order to kind of compete, you gotta be, you gotta be able to get in the gym and, and put in the work. And I mean, it makes it, it makes me feel good too. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm getting better and working hard. And that's all stuff that just adds to your confidence. This is kind of off topic from that question, but have you ever faced a knuckleballer? I have actually this year, um, Matt Waldron, he was a, a pitcher with San Antonio actually. So he's interesting because he's got 95, but he also would throw like 60% knuckleball. So it was the first time I had faced one and, uh, man, it's, it's, it's different from anything I've ever seen. That's for sure. They, they dance like it's, there's no way to like truly know which way the ball is going to break just because, you know, the wind is kind of what's going to make the ball do what it does. So um, it was interesting. I, I didn't have a ton of success off of him. It was it was really difficult to to adjust to that just because you're so used to seeing, you know, right handers have basically fastball slider change up. Maybe they got a curveball mixed in there. Um, but it was uh, it was a, it was a cool experience. I've never I had never faced one up to that point. So looking ahead, you know. I guess at the organizations ahead of you, you know, like AAA and the Astros. Last year, they called three center fielders up, you know, Siri, Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, who all did pretty well. Uh, with those yeah. guys getting called up and center field being your position, do you feel blocked at all? And or do you just feel like when you're ready, the, the opening is going to be there? Yeah, I mean, that's always something that you're paying attention to. And, you know, I've I've uh, had some conversations in the past with Jake Myers and some other some of those other guys, Chaz McCormick here and there as well. And those are both great guys. And you're happy to see those guys get a chance to go up there and um, and get a chance to play in the big leagues. That's that's the goal at the end of the day. Um, I think the Astros have done a good job of building a culture around, you know, just trying to be good teammates. And, you know, if you play well, right, there's going to be opportunities somewhere. Um I think um, the goal every day is to go in and try and be the best player that I can be and compete. And, um, you know, I think with that mindset, I'll hopefully get an opportunity to play in the big leagues with the Astros. And, you know, the, the name of the game is trying to create value for yourself in any way that you can. So, um, yeah, I mean, playing in the big leagues is the dream. So I would love for it to be with the Astros, but you, you're, you know, trying to create opportunities, even if it's with another team or whatever the, the chances of that happening. I don't know. But I mean, just to get a chance to play in the big leagues is the, the end goal. So you being one of the top prospects, it has to be I mean, it's like in my mind with our top prospects, the the possibility of you just, you know, playing in Sugarland or in Corpus or whatever. And then they just come and tell you, you know, you've been traded. Uh, to Tampa Bay or whatever. Like, have you ever thought about that happening? I've had some friends actually get traded. And uh, I mean, the process of that is, I'd imagine it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, right? Like you, I've only known Astros in my professional baseball career. So I'm sure it's kind of a little shocking at first to go into a different organization. But um, I think we're all professionals. And I'm sure that if that ended up happening to me, I would try and handle it to the best of my ability. But I can imagine it being a, 
maybe intimidating thing at first, but then I'm sure it's, it's also a blessing, right? That means that another team values your skills and, um, and sees a future for you maybe in the organization. So um, I think it can be, it can be a blessing. It can also be something that it's just an opportunity, right? Another opportunity. And that's all we're looking for um, as players. So um, I'd obviously love to, to play for the Astros for as long as possible, but I mean, we'll see kind of the way it shakes out, right? Like we don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. So just kind of, kind of wait and see and hopefully things work out for me. Last year, the Astros kind of went a different route. You know, instead of trading their prospects, they traded their starting center fielder. Do you remember when that happened? And were you surprised by that? Yeah, I mean, um, Miles Straw obviously starting the season with the Astros and, you know, having some success and then getting traded middle. What is it? Maybe it was middle of the year at the trade deadline. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was obviously crazy kind of to see that just because I've seen Miles in person and you know on the backfields and even you know in some of those major league spring training games so um it's it's crazy that that kind of stuff happens um but it created an opportunity for for a few guys to get up there and get some at bats and you know like i said i'm happy that those guys got a chance to get up there and and show what they can do man those are all three of those guys you mentioned are, are really good players and i think they did a great job of uh trying to fill that gap last year so last year during the season you got called up from Asheville to Corpus. What was that like? I mean, what's a kind of like a day in the life of a guy that's just, you know, playing for one team and they're like, hey, pack your stuff. You're out of here. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, my manager, Nate Shaver, down in Asheville, did a did a great job of kind of breaking the news. Actually, me and um, another guy, Joe Perez, uh, with us got got promoted on the same day. So we both found out in a really cool way. And he uh he made it so it was very like unexpected and shocking. And it was just, it was really cool to share that experience with Joe and um, to actually just move up with the guy that I had been rooming with and spend a ton of time with down in high A and just to, to move up with one of my good friends. It was, it was awesome. And then, you know, you're pretty much, I think we found out on a Sunday and Monday were our off days this year. So we basically got in a plane the next day and, uh, I think our flight got delayed a couple of times. So we didn't get into Corpus until 1230 or 1am in the morning. And then we were on the road to San Antonio that day. So we we were on the bus at seven, got like five, four and a half hours of sleep. And then uh, I want to say our first game got rained out. So we were actually not that upset because we got to get back to the hotel and get a couple hours of sleep for the next game. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a quick turnaround from getting promoted. Going to college over there in Cal Poly, what is your uh, what is your thoughts on this South Texas heat? Man, it's different. It's different. I'm I'm used to the the drier elements kind of, and then playing by the ocean. You know, it gets a little like you get the the cooler ocean breeze at night. The marine layer comes in, and it it's a it's a different kind of weather. Um, playing playing at Corpus for the first time, it was it was a little a little shocking. Like I I. I been down to west palm beach before obviously for spring training and it's hot there but man corpus the first couple weeks when i got there it was different i was uh had to adjust how much water i'm drinking and you know how to basically recover from day to day and um but yeah it'll get you so growing up who was your favorite player um i had I, i grew up a dodger fan 
um, obviously, I mean, being from the L.A. area. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed watching all those guys growing up. But I, for whatever reason, I was, a, I was a really big Andrew McCutcheon fan. I don't know why, but I just – I bought his jersey, and I just really liked the way he played. I mean, he was a center fielder, kind of fast, power-hitting center fielder, can do a little bit of everything. And I don't know. I don't know why I, I liked him so much. But um, I kind of grew up idolizing him for whatever reason. And uh, – I don't know. Maybe I felt like I could be a similar player. I don't, I don't know. But uh, that was the guy I kind of looked up to growing up, growing up. So if you weren't an outfielder, what position would you like to play? Like, is there a position you're like, I wish I was really good at that. That looks like it's fun. I think um, middle infield would be super, super fun. I, I played a little bit of shortstop in high school and it wasn't for me to say the least. I just, I, for whatever reason, the rhythm of being a middle infielder and all the responsibility you have to have it, it didn't click as much for me. I played uh, football growing up all through high school, and it just kind of playing the outfield was more natural to me, kind of just like running a route, right, like as a wide receiver. So I don't know. It just came more natural to me. But I think being an everyday shortstop or something like that would just be – I mean, it would be unbelievable to kind of be um, one of those guys. They just – they make everything look so smooth, and a lot of times they're the – leader of kind of the field obviously them and the catcher but uh that would be a position that would just be fun to play what position in baseball would you say is the quarterback of baseball because the quarterback gets all the girls right <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i'd love to say center field uh but uh i think probably like i said maybe either shortstop or the catcher i think that they're involved in the majority of the plays that are going to happen um I think the catcher, like having a guy like Martin Maldonado, I've never met him before, but you could just tell he's so in control of what's going on um, throughout the game and everybody respects him. And um, I would say that depending on the team, it can be anybody, but I, I would say the majority of the time it's, you know, the catcher or the shortstop. All right. So I mentioned to you that we do a segment on this show called Fair or Foul, and I kind of got you prepped a little bit, but you don't know the questions but my question is for you is, are you ready for this? I am ready. Let's do it. All right. So, well, I actually missed one. Hang on. Let's go back a little. Okay. I, I was going to ask you, you know, there's a lot of talk about speeding the game up and doing all this stuff and trying to track young fans. And my answer has always been th the parents have to take the kids to the game. I mean, you can't, you can't, I don't think you can really change the game to bring in new fans to make it exciting. But what would you do? Is there anything you can think of that you would do to draw in like the younger crowd? Yeah, I think the <clears throat> sorry, I think the simplest way to draw more fans is just to market the game to to younger people, right? Um, I think we lose a lot of great athletes to sports like football and, and basketball, and uh, just making the game more appealing to the younger fan base, I think, is is the way that you do that. Um, I was exposed to the game at an early age. My dad played, you know, college baseball. So it was always kind of something that I, I knew I liked to do, but uh, yeah, finding a way to, to market the game better to younger kids and, um, and get them excited about baseball. Right. It's a, uh, it is, I think for, for younger kids, a lot of times, like, cause I grew up playing football and basketball as well. And baseball was always like the slower paced game you have to think a little more and I didn't think I appreciated baseball as much until I was you know a high school player probably mm. but uh, I think coaches just could 
but also help by making it fun, right? Making it more about just having fun and playing ball, just like, I don't know, I'm treating it like a Sandlot type game. I think when you're a kid, that's the important thing is learning how to be, be a kid, play like a kid, be a good teammate, and just enjoy playing the game. All right. Now we'll go to fair or foul. Perfect. All right, here we go. Number one, what are your thoughts on this? Fair or foul? The universal DH just got accepted. So do you like that or not? Fair or foul? Fair. That creates 15 more jobs for hitters. I, I like that. I agree with you. That That's something I talked about on, I think, on the last podcast. I said, you know, doing that not only ensures that Jordan Alvarez is going to play every game when we're on the road against National League teams, but the older guys, it extends 15 guys' career if that's – you know, they, yeah. all they do is DH. So I, I like it. I used to be a, a purist. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've always liked that the American and National had different strategies. So it's interesting when they played each other. But overall, I say yes, I'll go with it. Because I really enjoyed it when the Astros went to the American League and got a DH. So I think, yeah, I think more than anything, too, like, as far as making the game more enjoyable and watchable, I think you'd rather have a guy up there that can handle the bat than, you know, a pitcher that's hitting 100 or whatever, you know, it's just, I think it makes the game more fun and it creates opportunities for, like you said, older players or, or guys that, you know, maybe they don't have like a, a set position, but they can really swing the bat. I think it just creates more fun around the game and allows people to, uh, to play more, right? Like guys, like you said, like Jordan, like that guy, I mean, he's one of the best hitters I've ever seen and to get mm-hmm. him in the lineup more often or to not have him play the field and save his knees or whatever, wherever the, the case is, I think it's just, I think it's a better option. All right. Number two in the minor leagues, I know you guys wear tons of different uniforms for different occasions. And sometimes you get uh, the uniforms without buttons, you know, like the, the, the normal, button front uniforms fair foul jersey without buttons you like those fair i think it's i think it can be used if they're like the right design and the right material but if they're like thick and that's my big thing is if they're super thick and they're they're not very comfortable i don't care if they got buttons or they don't got buttons i just want a comfortable jersey so i'll go with fair (laughs) yeah for me as a fan i have to say a fan you know wearing my jersey to the game I, I would prefer the ones with the buttons. I just think they're kind of cooler. But you yeah. got a you got a chance. I think it was one of the plays you laid out on in center field, but you got a chance to wear those Waterburger uniforms. What'd you think about that? Those were cool, man. I thought it was I, I don't it was the first time I had ever like been playing in a uniform that was like a, an advertisement for a company. <laughs> and it was like it was I thought the the colorway they went with was really cool, and it kind of it was it was awesome because it tied into the Astros colors a little bit with the orange and uh, orange and kind of navy blue. So I liked it. I mean, it it was cool to get a chance to uh, to wear a uniform for for obviously a, a restaurant or a fast food place. It, it just and it was a comfortable jersey, like I said, which was super important. There you go. All right, number three. I don't know if you've been here, so I got backup questions on this. Fair or foul? Mod pizza. Ooh, I'm a Blaze guy, so I'm gonna go foul. Oh. I'm gonna go foul. Well, yeah. what about the what about the idea of mod pizza? About it's you know the pizza's eleven bucks whether you put cheese on it or a thousand toppings. 
Yeah, that is something that I can get behind, I guess. Maybe yeah. the the model. But uh, I got to stay loyal to Blaze. It was the, one of the first kind of, I don't know, Chipotle-style pizza places. I guess that's the way I would describe it that I had been to. And I just yeah. love their crust. It's so good. So I'm going to go with Fal on that one. <laughs> I describe Mod Pizza as uh, Subway. It's like Subway. Yeah, there you go. I guess Subway's the the OG of restaurants yeah. like that where you pick your bread and then it's like i want this this and that yeah you know what you know it's funny me and my wife we get our own pizza and somehow hers is always better than mine yeah i mean i don't I, know I, maybe you need to have her make your make yours for uh have her make yours <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go sit down you just build mine for me because you're there so you go better at all right number four going on a cruise fair foul Fair. Um, I've actually personally never been on one, but I've always wanted to. I think they'd be really fun. Um, I've had family members do it and they say it's awesome and uh, tends to be cheaper than going on like a international vacation, like flying somewhere and paying for a hotel. So I'm definitely on, on board with that. Yeah, I. I'm, I'm leaning towards foul as I've never been either, but it's something that I don't want to do. But there's a small part of me that's, you know, like, I have to try something like that before I die, you know, but it just seems like you're in prison. Like, I'm in this yeah. ship, and I, I'm, it's like, like you're just staying in a floating hotel, and I know there's a lot to do, and people that go on cruises love it, but it just doesn't seem like something I would like, so I say foul. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I don't, I, I guess I grew up going on boats and stuff and you know at the lake and i know it's different than that because it's just like a floating just i don't even know what you would call it. it's just a huge basically hotel on water like you said but yeah maybe to try one time let's let's go with that i'll go fair for one time yeah me too so have you ever been like on a deep sea fishing trip and got sick i haven't actually no um oh i have one of my best friends my best friends from uh high school he used to go to like mexico all the time and go on deep sea fishing trips but he doesn't get seasick so yeah that's that would that would be miserable just being in the middle of the ocean and throwing up everywhere that, that doesn't sound <laughs> that fun <laughs> the first time i did that you know we didn't take the dramamine or whatever that stuff is called the motion sickness medicine and me and my brother we were miserable we weren't throwing up but we were just miserable and it's you know you're sick one hour into it yeah, you know, you're 45 miles out in the ocean. They're not turning that thing around for you. And my brother's like, uh, would you rather stay out here eight more hours or take a bullet to the head? And I said, I'll Oof. take the bullet to the head because <laughs> I'm so miserable. Yeah, I, I could see how that would not be fun. I um, Yeah, I used to just have to take drama me going on roller coasters. So maybe uh, I probably react the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, as an adult, I went with some friends to uh, South Padre. We went on an eight-hour trip. And uh, the the first trip I was talking about, it was only five hours. Yeah. But this one, this one was eight hours. So, actually, I, you know, not that you guys want to hear about fishing trips, but I figured we would fish more, and all they did was go further out. So, <laughs> it was kind of yeah. dumb. Yeah, I uh, I grew up fishing a little bit here and there, just on lake, but that was off with a little fishing boat. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think that's more my cup of tea is out in the middle of a lake, kind of just more calm yeah. and relaxing than maybe the middle of the ocean. I'm I'm like 
terrified of ocean animals too. I'm not a guy that like loves to get in the water at the beach or anything like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, the whole shark week keeps me out of the middle of the ocean. Oh yeah. Put it that way. We went to uh, Hawaii and I was out there snorkeling and one of them turtles swam by me and I got out of the water. Oh like, I was, yeah. I was, I was yeah. scared to death and I yeah, know it was like, going to hurt me, but I was scared. My dad is like, he loves like thrill seeking i guess and i mean he went <laughs> in hawaii he went diving at night like i'm like dude that's good that's great for you but um i'm, I'm gonna stay home on that one I, I don't think i'll i'll be joining you on that trip <laughs> so something you could do over there in corpus which i enjoy doing is uh we go on the uh now i can't even think of the name of it but they just take you like around around the coast I can't even think now. I I shouldn't even brought it up because I can't remember what it is. <laughs> but it's a golf trip, maybe that's what it is. Because they they okay. just you, you're just kind of you can still see the land where you're at, and it's yeah. three hours. You catch little fish, but you catch a whole stringer full of them. There the you guy, go. you know, the guys clean them. You give them a tip. You go to the restaurant at the end of the block. They cook them up for you and give you side dishes. It's a great day off. You should try it over there in Corpus. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll have to I'll have to give that a try. Bay fishing trip. That's what it's called. There you go. There it is. I knew I'd get it. All right. Here's the last one. And this one here, I saw it. It it is real. It is real. But I saw a movie theater. You know, movie theaters, we had seats. It seats kind of got better. Now we have recliners, which is a must-have for me. They they now have movie theaters with beds in them. So fair or foul, would you want to go watch a movie where you lay in bed? I'm going to go foul. I just feel like it'd make me fall asleep. For that specific <laughs> reason, I'm going to go foul. I uh, We have one of those, like, I think it's called Roadhouse Cinemas out here. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. And it's like, I think it's the best thing ever. It's 11 bucks for a movie and then popcorn is cheaper. I'm coming from California, though, so you have to keep that in mind. So yeah. everything in California is more expensive. But out here... I'm loving it. Um, it's got recliners. They go back pretty far. And I don't know. I, it's one of my favorite things to do. I'm a big movie guy. So I love to watch movies. And uh, But yeah, the whole bed thing, I, I'm going to go with foul on that one. Me too. It just, I mean, why would you need more than a recliner? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Whoever thinks like that, I don't know that I can trust that person. <laughs> I mean, there would, there would. <laughs> There would definitely be some sort of making out in there, you know. Yeah, I don't know that people would want to see that kind of behavior no. either. So not not me. And think about the hygiene. Like, I mean, what do they do? Change the sheets out every every show? It's just really weird looking. I mean, I just. It, yeah. I was like, I can't believe they're doing this, but it's not something I would want to do. That gives me like weird, like hospital vibes, you know, like <laughs> just in bed watching a movie feel like you're kind of stuck there I don't, I don't know that's what it makes me think of all right alex that's it that's all i have this amazing fun ride is over well i appreciate it man i had a <laughs> i had a great time getting a chance to uh to talk with you and open up a little bit about my uh my career so far all right well i'll definitely uh get to meet you when you come to san antonio and i usually take trips over to corpus so Hopefully I get to meet you and uh, you can sign a ball for me or something. Perfect. Sounds good. I'd be happy to do it. All right. For Alex McKenna, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball, and we'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when there's a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.